What's up, all you movie lovers? Al, you got something to say to the movie haters? You guys don't like movies? What are you, insane? Welcome back to By the Heart. I'm Alex. And I'm Sean. We believe that every great story is full of gospel themes. Together, we examine our favorite movies while looking at the gospel themes of characters in some of the best quotes. Also, we look at the moments that made us laugh, think, and cry. And we'll let you know when you can find a wall to pee on with our big daddy moment so you don't miss the good parts. Thanks for listening. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the debt that we all owe due to our sin. And by faith alone, by the work that Jesus has already done, can one find salvation and the fullness of life. Welcome back to By the Heart. I'm joined with my co-host, Sean Lally, and a very special guest. Sean, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on? We are joined this evening by Garrett Price. Garrett, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing good. I am uh, I'm genuinely excited to get in here to talk to you guys, talk about this movie. Like the the cool part is is like this is the kind of stuff that like I've gotten a chance to do with you guys on other movies just because we wanted to do it. So the fact that we get to get on here and 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 do it formally, that's pretty sweet. All right, so I'm super excited to have Garrett on. Garrett's been one of my best friends for I don't know what past 10 years. How old are we now? 29 going on 30. And uh, we started hanging out early college, I think freshman year. And it was really cool because it was at this moment for me in my life where I'd like just accepted Christ recently. And I was just kind of looking for people who understood what I finally understood in my heart about the gospel. And Garrett, Garrett stepped in and uh, I watched mind the voice crack there, but <laughs> Garrett stepped in and uh, we kind of hit it off real quick because we, we love Jesus and we love sports. So it's been really cool to have this friendship over the past 10 years. Um, Garrett's had a lot of success. Um, in sports ministry, he's had a lot of success um, just being an awesome person to be around. He's got a beautiful family. Denise, his wife, Penelope, his youngest, and Amelia, his oldest. Are they five and three? Yep. Uh, Amelia's five. Penn will turn three in a couple weeks here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They've got birthdays in March and April. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I'm pumped to have Garrett on, uh, the dynasty nerd himself, Garrett Price. <laughs> Garrett. Why don't you go ahead and talk to us a little bit about what you have going on right now um, with your podcast and the stuff you're doing with Dynasty Football. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of more or less on accident that this happened. Uh, I've always like been a huge fan of football. I played it all growing up, played a little bit in college, and then <clears throat> I uh, you know started playing fantasy football. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Got into a league that was a dynasty league, which is basically like factor in how nerdy fantasy football is to begin with and then figure <laughs> out a way to make it even nerdier. Uh, that's basically what, what dynasty is. Uh, and you, you keep your players all year round and you only draft rookies and you're doing your best to make it seem like you're a real general manager. Uh, so I started writing on this website kind of out of the blue. Uh, and they were like, hey, your articles don't suck. Uh, we see that you're actually local, which a lot of our writers aren't. 
would you be interested in like coming and doing a guest spot on our podcast? And I was like, heck yeah, I would. That'd be awesome. So I yeah. went up there, did a guest spot, and they're like, hey, you also don't suck at uh at uh being on on the air like this. Would you guys? Would you want to? you know, make this a more regular thing. And uh, long story short, I ended up becoming one of the co-hosts of Dynasty Nerds. Um, now I'm currently actually one of the, the part owners of Dynasty Nerds, and it's it's grown uh, into something that is uh, is now like a basically a part-time job for me. Um, and basically what I do is I just get to uh, scout uh, college players a lot. Um, I look at different values and trends for NFL players. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of the stuff that you know, kind of like you guys with this podcast, it was kind of stuff I was already doing on my own for myself. And now I just do it for a slightly larger audience. And so it's been really, really fun to see it grow and develop into, into what it is now. That's yeah. really cool. It's been really cool to watch too. Cause before you started it, I remember watching your followers. I think we, you had like, I don't know, four or five, 600 followers on Twitter. And then as some of these things you were doing started to gain a little bit more traction, you started gaining a little bit more and you got to a thousand. It was like, dude, you got a thousand followers on Twitter. That's so cool. And just recently, I, one of the cool things is that I don't love football that much, uh, but I love going to your Twitter and seeing how many followers you have now. <laughs> and you're up to, after the combine, you're up, you were up to 10,000 followers on Twitter. And now I think you're up to at least, you're up to 10,200, I think I saw. Yep, is that right? Yep. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, it's somewhere been so cool to right. watch that. Yeah, it's been really cool to see the credibility that you've gotten, and it's been really cool to see the entire process of that, of like what's what's been successful and what you've done really well and what's caught on and what's gained all that traction. It's been really cool to watch. Sounds like it's been really cool. <laughs> Garrett, um, so you went to the NFL draft, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you went to the NFL combine. I have a few questions. My first question is, tell me about J.K. Dobbins' arms. <laughs> Dobbins, you know what? It's interesting because Dobbins is a big dude. Um, not necessarily in height, because uh, he's only about five nine, five ten. But he's jacked. But the thing is, man, like everyone there is jacked. So like you're looking at these guys, and you you, you see them on TV, and you're like, oh, they're not that big. And then you see them in person, like, oh crap, that dude's swole. Um, so it's it's interesting to to see some of these players. And then there was a couple guys that I actually thought would be bigger. And then I like walked up to him and I'm like, dude, I'm bigger than this guy. Like, what the heck? Uh, so it's just kind of funny to see uh, how like the perception on TV uh, versus like what's actually there. But J.K. Dobbins is is low key jacked, and he uh, he put up like 23 reps on the bench of 225. So uh, he did him he did himself a favor there. Yeah, I saw that on your Twitter. Hey, my other question is, did you get to see Jim Ursay? I did not see Jim Ursay. Uh, the probably the like most enjoyable guy I got to see and like talk with a little bit uh, was actually Andy Reid, uh, you know, Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, he's like doing this press conference and dude's just like, dude's just like a jolly old soul, uh, clearly obese, uh, and just like happy to be alive. And like one of the questions was like, hey, so like now that you finally won a Super Bowl, like what's what's life been like for you? He's like, well, I uh. I've uh, gotten more free meals. Like that was that was the one thing that changed for him. So there you go. That's really funny. Well, Garrett, we're gonna move on and talk about movies. But before we do that, can you let the audience know where to find you on Twitter and where to find your podcast? Yeah, the podcast is called Dynasty Nerds, uh, and it's it's basically anywhere you can find podcasts. 
Um, and then uh, for me personally on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at Dynasty Price. That's awesome. We're super excited to have you. Sean thinks it's really cool. Yeah, man. Super cool. Really cool. <laughs> Our movie of the day. A Quiet Place. But first, I have to ask you guys. Jacked John Krasinski. Bearded John Krasinski. Good hair from the office John Krasinski. Or bad hair but good at basketball John Krasinski. Best looking John Krasinski. Go. Jack Kron- John Krasinski. Did you say Kron Jasinski? I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to go with bearded John Krasinski. I'm a big beard fan, personally. And uh, he pulls it off pretty good. So I'm going to go with bearded. I've got a beard right now. Do you like my beard, Garrett? I like it more than I should admit. <laughs> I actually think that John Krasinski is one of the people who looks actually not attractive without a beard and looks hot with a beard <laughs> i agree not like he's oh he's kind of attractive he's attractive with a beard and not without one okay i changed my vote beard john krasinski <laughs> my vote you got is bad hair good at basketball krasinski because athlete trumps everything else in my book also, we need to talk about Emily Blunt's run from 2011 to 2018. Let me tell you guys about these movies. Let's hear it. She had The Muppets. Love The Muppets. And in The Muppets, she played Miss Piggy's assistant. It's kind of funny. She also was in The Five-Year Engagement, Looper, Edge of Tomorrow, I love Sicario, of Tomorrow. Girl on a Train, and A Quiet Place. Talk oh. about a run. That's a great run of movies. That's a lot of great movies, and you didn't even mention the the My Little Pony movie, which my daughters <laughs> loved. Uh, so, Don't lie, Garrett. You love it, too. I mean, listen, there are kids' movies that I thoroughly enjoy. I cannot say with confidence that was one of them. <laughs> how many, you told me the other day you've seen Frozen how many times now? Oh, Frozen 2, just since it came out on Disney+, Plus, because we already saw it once in theaters. But just since it came out on Disney+, Plus. It's it's a, we're at least in the double digits already in the past two weeks. Easy. <laughs> do you think that any of us in the best shape of our lives could do the Edge of Tomorrow plank that Emily Blunt does? No. No. You no. don't think so, Garrett? No. No. I think I and could there do was, it right. There was a time in my life I was in good shape, and even then, no. There's no chance. <laughs> even then, you had no chance. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> Also, my next question is, John Krasinski, has he been in any other good movies besides A Quiet Place? Mm, I don't think so. Like, he's really, en- he's really enjoyable in, like, interviews, like when he goes on, like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. But, like, yeah. that's about it. He does have a cameo in The Muppets. <laughs> does he really? Yeah, he's one of the people who answers the phone at the end when they're trying to raise funds to get the studio back. Oh, yeah. That's but- funny. That's about it, though. I think Krasinski's not a good actor, in my opinion. That's a hot take. My hottest take of Office characters is that Jim and Pam aren't good, and John Krasinski isn't a good actor. Mm -hmm. Wait, what did you say about Jim and Pam? Jim and Pam, they're terrible. Oh, you're one of those guys? 
Yeah. Oh, I am. I'm with you, Garrett. This annoys oh me every time he brings it gosh. up. Yeah, Pam and Jim are both allowed to cheat on the people they are dating, and it's really cute. They didn't yeah. cheat. Okay. They didn't cheat, no. Especially John. You could make a stronger argument for Pam, but John was a stand-up guy. <laughs> okay, and he had a really good behind-the-back basketball move. <laughs> Hooper. <laughs> All right, last thing before we get into the movie. Noah Jupe, who plays the son... His four-movie run as a young actor, Wonder, A Quiet Place, Ford vs. Ferrari, and Honey Boy. If Noah Jupe doesn't win an Oscar by 2027, I will run a marathon. (laughs) Okay. Wait, is this recorded? (laughs) How old is this kid? Uh, I'm going to guess that he's actually 15 right now, but I'm not sure. Man, he looks like he might be 13 at the most. I just watched Honey Boy the other day, recently. He looks very young. He's a great actor for his age. Um, yeah, Noah Jupe, born in 2005. So he's probably 15. Wow. Just turned 15. So, A Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. What's the scariest monsters in movies that you guys can think of? I'll tell you mine. In Super 8, Steven Spielberg has an amazing ability to hide his monster until like you see him in a mirror or you see him in a reflection. And you see the Super 8 monster for the first time in a puddle of water reflection, and I got chills. And the other monster that was super scary, the first time I watched Jurassic Park when I was like seven, and the T-Rex came and ate the car, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still scared of that. Yeah, yeah those are pretty good. Mine, mine is uh, Randall from Monsters, Inc. I remember <laughs> I remember being a kid and being creeped out by Randall. Because he, he, he could turn invisible, and he was really good at scaring all the kids. And, he was, and not even that, he was manipulative, and he was kind of a sleazeball. He always, he always, he always made me a little scared. Garrett, what about you? I feel like I have to say this because of how passionate I've been about this uh, television show series, but I've got to go with the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, I remember specifically when that thing was in the woods and Barb was at the diving board. We won't talk about what happens in case you haven't seen season one. <laughs> Uh, but like just the, the ominous and then you get the quick flash and like, ah, man, got me every time. Let's get into our first category, our character studies. These are our gospel themed moments. We have Regan, who's played by Millicent Simmons. This is the girl who is deaf. We're going to call her girl because you never learn her name. (laughs) It's, It's easier that way. Yep. We have Marcus played by Noah Jupe. We're going to call him Boy, because you never learned his name was Marcus. (laughs) We've got Evelyn, played by Emily Blunt. We're going to call her Emily Blunt. And then we have Lee, played by John Krasinski. And we're just going to call him Jacked John Krasinski. (laughs) Because he is definitely jacked in this movie. Yeah, he is yoked. So let's go ahead and start with Girl. Um, To me, I think that one of her gospel theme moments is that she is an unexpected hero. Um, the whole time she's pretty frustrated with the fact that she can't hear and she's not allowed to do anything and she 
doesn't really understand why the monsters are there. And she's just like in teenage angst or angst. You guys should Google how to say angst. It's actually angst. Hmm. And um, at the very end of the movie, she actually is the hero. Um, And she's not a hero because she's strong. She's actually a hero because of her weakness. Her hearing aid is the one kryptonite of these monsters. And it reminds me of the fact that Jesus makes it known that his power is made perfect in our weakness. He said to Paul, when Paul asked for this thorn to be pulled out of his side, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was pretty sure that his weakness was being made perfected by Christ. And girl, her weakness uh, was made perfected um, as the antidote and the kryptonite for the monsters. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I, when I thought of her at the very beginning of the movie, she's kind of the reason that the little brother is dead yeah. because she gives him back the toy that makes sounds. And now he, she didn't give him the batteries, but you can't really leave a decision up to a five-year-old or however old the kid was. And so I think throughout the entire movie, because of that, she feels the guilt and she can feel it weighing on her family, the death. They're all mourning the death of the their little brother or the son. And she wants to redeem herself by going out into the woods with John, uh, by trying to do anything that she can in her power. And I think, just to piggyback off of what you said, it's it's only through not her power. Through her power, she can't do anything right. She makes her, she has a torn relationship with her father. She's frustrated with her mother. And there's just kind of this uncomfortable tension throughout the movie. Um, and she's just her trying to redeem in her own power. And finally, at the end of it, when she realizes it's her weakness that will give her power is the climax of the movie. Yeah, I think that's the mark of being a believer is when you realize that your weakness is what's supposed to um, help you see and recognize the goodness of God, it helps you boast in your weakness. That's what Paul's saying. Also, Garrett, I think you had something really good about a girl. Yeah, she seemed like she seemed like such a good... Uh, representation of uh, the nation of Israel. Um, and it mm. just kind of reminded mm. me often of, you know, here is this this father. And, and granted, you know, there's there's no perfect illustration for God. Um, and so I'm not trying to say that John is this, this perfect illustration for God. But here is a loving father that is doing what he can to try to take care of her, try to provide for her. Um, you know, you see all, all the attempts to make these um, hearing aids to help her out and all of this stuff, and she wants nothing to do with it. She she rejects him. She's frustrated because things aren't working out quite like she wants them to work out and, and ultimately turns her back on him uh, and even mm. low-key runs away at one point. Um, and so I think that's just such a uh, beautiful illustration of the brokenness of the people of Israel, but then also a reflection of ourselves of how often – we can be just like that where, you know, God wants to give us these things that he's provided for us and he's made for us. And and because it's not in our finite mind what we expect it to be or what we want it to be, we reject it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Let's move on to Boy. Garrett, why don't you lead us off there? Yeah, so Boy is, uh, he's a an, an interesting character. Um, 
And uh, when we were talking about Boy or Marcus earlier, um, you guys had some really interesting things that that I didn't even necessarily pick up on fully until you guys started breaking it down. So I'm excited to hear you guys talk about about uh, him a little bit more. Um, but one of the the points where actually we see the son and the daughter, boy and girl, come together is the scene where they are on top of the silo, and it's after kind of the first initial push uh, from all of these monsters, and they're trying to. Um, help their mom out because you know they, she flipped on the red lights and they know that's indicating that either I never got a clear picture as to whether that meant trouble or if that was specifically the indication that she was going into labor but either way um, lights are flipped on dad's going to find them and they're kind of out by themselves right now and they're just kind of hoping that their dad will come rescue them and and boy says he will come for us referencing John his dad like he will come for us and the, the daughter, the girl says, he will come for you, like specifically mm-hmm. talking about him. And so you kind of mm-hmm. see the the relationship there and the faith that they have in their father at that point is so different of one has this like undying faith that like no matter what, like our dad is going to make a way like our father will be here. And the other one's like, maybe he'll come and find you but I don't know about where I stand with him. And I just thought that was a very telling moment of both of their personalities, both of their characters in that moment. Yeah, I think that we see a beautiful contrast of where their faith lies. Girl, she really needs to see um, the faithfulness of her father before she actually trusts him. And it takes till the end of the movie. Boy is like, this is my father, and no matter what, he's coming for me. And I think that's two sides of the spectrum of Christianity. A lot of people struggle with um, trusting in God because they haven't, quote unquote, seen anything recently. And then there's another side of people who have this fervent faith that is based in the fact that God always does what he says he's going to do. So even if you don't see him, even if he hasn't shown up, quote unquote, recently, your faith is unwavering because you know that he is a good God. And it takes girl an hour and 24 minutes to realize that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely yeah, it really true. Does. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on. We have Emily Blunt. Um, she's the mother. I think she shows, shows a strength that God has given to um, mothers, actually, uh, to women. We've talked before on the pod on how God gives dignity to women unlike any other um, religion, ideology, or anything like that. And we see a mom who is holding her family together in love, in strength, and she's pretty much fearless. Mm -hmm. Garrett, do you have anything on her? Yeah, there was was quite a few things that I picked up on on her. And, um, I mean, first of all, just, just the scene of... The, the series of events that happened with her stepping on the nail, going into labor, her water breaking, and it's already in a bad situation where you can't make any noise. Then the monsters are coming. Like, that whole scene, like, like my skin crawled the entire time. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that might be honestly, with, with exception of, of the very end, 
the climax of the movie. That has to be like the most intense scene. She did an incredible job as an actress, like mm-hmm. making me feel what she was feeling in that time. So yeah. like that was incredible. That was just something I had to add in for free because it was an, an incredible <laughs> acting. Uh, and I couldn't like let that go. Um, uh, one of the, so, so oh. this, what's that? I, I just heard dead air. So oh, my, my, my bad. Uh, so one of the things, uh, that she said, uh, specifically, and this might be cheating cause this is kind of also like my, my cry, one of my cry moments. Cause I think we'll unilaterally have the same one. Uh, but this is also one of my cry moments, so I might be cheating the system. I apologize if so. Um, but it's it's right after uh, she's she's given birth. It's right after um, they're they're hiding in the basement, and she realizes that she doesn't know where her kids are. Her baby's there, but she doesn't know where her kids are. And she's she's talking to John, and 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 she's going through all of these emotions. And she says this. She says, "Who are we if we can't protect them? You." have to protect them promise me that you will protect them and in that moment i felt um that that weight and that responsibility like as a as a dad like and that got me like choked up because like putting myself in in their shoes like as a parent like like who are we if we can't protect our children um and you know and and it just reminds me of you know we we have this father that that ultimately protects us, even if it's not, uh, even if it's seemingly there's a storm all around us and there's all of these things that, um, that we don't feel like we can handle or deal with. That's exactly what was going on with, with the son and daughter. Like there was all these things that seemingly on the surface, they should not be able to handle. They should not be able to deal with, but ultimately like their, their mother and their father were, were there to protect them. And that was so vital and so important to the essence of who they were as people. You know, she said, who are we if we can't protect them? So you saw just how vital that was to the core of who they are. And I feel like, um, you know, that that can so easily be translated into um, being protected by our own father. Yeah, that's a really good observation there. I also think that she just has like common grace ability to show up in the ways that a mother should show up. She shows strength and um, I think there's something special about being a parent that God gives to parents where children feel comforted by their individual moms and their individual dads like they can't feel comforted by almost anyone else in the world. And I think that's just a special moment for her. Let's go ahead and move on. We have John Krasinski. And I just want to say one quick thing about that, and then we actually have to move on. Um, John Krasinski... His entire theme is that he is living a sacrificial type of love. Mm-hmm. He's yep. a dad who does everything that he can for his, his daughter, everything that he can for his son. He has set um, traps at his farm. He has um, prepared his family for a terrible thing that is inevitably, inevitably going to come. And at the end of the movie... He sacrifices his own life so that his children and his wife can live. And it reminds me of John 15 where um, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And yeah, John Krasinski laid down his life for his family, but Jesus laid down his life for the sin of the world. 
And he calls anyone who believes a friend, no longer servants, but friends. And that just points to how good and how loving God really is. That we're not some sort of slave. He's not a tyrant. He's, he's a friend. And that's the kind of God that you can trust um, with everything that you have. And then I want to say something about the monster. Uh, the original name for the podcast was Nothing New Under the Sun because... I believe that there's nothing new under the sun. You can't come up with new concepts. That's why you see gospel themes in every single movie. And the monster was a human, pretty much a mutated human without eyes. Like, it's impossible to create something completely new. And I think that just shows that the ultimate creator and the ultimate uh, person with creativity is God. And um, we can't make anything of ourselves. And the monster showed us. All right, our second category, the big daddy moment of the movie, the movie where you couldn't hold it anymore and you had to go pee. I only had one for this. I think it was the beginning of the movie. If you've seen the preview, you know what happens. The, <laughs> the little kid dies by the monster. You've seen it. Everything else you don't see in the previews, and you should probably watch, sit and watch the rest of it. And the movie's only an hour and a half, so you should be good. And don't chew popcorn really loudly. Yeah, do not chew popcorn very loudly. By the Heart Podcast sponsored by Alex's painting still not monetarily but if you need any painting go ahead and give me a call he'll get you a quote and I'll paint it our third category these are the gospel quotes these are the quotes in the movie that um, point us back to Jesus and I think that because this movie doesn't have dialogue really at all um, it's mainly sign language this is a movie about faith in action rather than um, faith by speaking. We see a lot of moments in the movie where John and Emily and boy and girl, they live out their gospel themes through the action that they take because they're literally not allowed to say anything. Um, one of the things that I saw that was in the quote kind of gospel theme is um, boy kind of saves the day for his mom when she's being tracked by one of the monsters. He is super, super terrified. And he needs to somehow run to the other side of the field and light off rockets so that the monsters are um, distracted from Emily. And he's only able to do it because John gives him a strength that he wouldn't be able to have by himself. And I think that that is the summation of strength as a Christian. Our strength comes from God, and it doesn't come from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Garrett, I think you had a few pretty cool ideas there. Yeah, I had a couple. Um, one, obviously, um, I, I've touched on this already, so I won't go as deep into it. Um, but Emily Blunt had a quote saying, um, and this was right before they went to the waterfall because uh, he wanted to teach his son some stuff. And she, she told her son, your father will always protect you. Uh, and I've been kind of hammering that home because it, you kind of see that theme often throughout the movie. But there was one other part that I thought was really neat with all of this. And the older daughter uh, was, was trying to kind of sneak downstairs because she wasn't allowed to go into the basement. And right before she starts to go down the stairs, her dad grabs her, takes her outside, and kind of like reprimands her, like, you can't go down there. And she's like, look, I'm not a kid anymore. I, I can go down there. And all this is through sign language, obviously. Um, and But ultimately what he was trying to do is he was trying to protect her. Like, she didn't really truly know 
what these monsters were. She hadn't, she hadn't seen one. Uh, she she hmm. doesn't have all of her senses, uh, so she's never actually heard what these things sound like when they're crawling outside. And so he didn't want her to get uh, to, to to harm herself mentally by seeing all of these images. And th- it was kind of his layer of trying to plan everything out and all the game plan and all of that. And you kind of see her at the end of the movie when she finally gets to go downstairs and see all this. She's kind of in shock and awe of all of it. And he was doing his best to protect his daughter in that time. And, and so often I think, um, you know, God doesn't give us things, not because he doesn't want to shower us with gifts or, or love us, but he's protecting us from ourselves. Things that we're not actually able to handle things that we're not readily, readily available, um, to, to, to be able to get through. And so I just think that was kind of a neat thing as well, um, that, that I was able to kind of, uh, tack into some of the gospel themes. That's really good, mm-hmm. Sean. What did you, you have there? Uh, the the climax of the movie when John says, uh, "I love you. I have always loved you," mm. uh, just reminds me so much of in the illustration there of God's unconditional love for us that there was nothing that she could do. He was going to love his daughter unconditionally, mm. and she's got she's not to blame for the younger brother dying, but she definitely was a factor in in why it happened, and she thought throughout the entire movie, yeah there's a reason he hates me yeah he doesn't like me and he affirms the opposite of that that he loves her unconditionally and then yeah we'll get into that a little bit more all right our jimmy v moments category four the moments that made you laugh moments that made you think moments that made you cry every day every day you gotta laugh you gotta think and you gotta cry (laughs) and if you do those every day you will not root for the Green Bay Packers and Rutgers basketball. I'm pretty sure I turned a little Irish there. I don't even know what that was. Garrett, what'd you think? What'd you pick up? Uh, as far as which which woman are you wanting me to go for? Any of them? <laughs> what, what Alex was just doing there? What accent did oh. you pick up? Was that Italian? Oh, was that Irish? I have, what did I have you no think clue what that was. I was. <laughs> That was that was a conglomerate of of, of a great attempt. That's what it was. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. First one. Moment made you laugh. Okay. Instead of laugh, there is no moments that make us laugh. Okay. Instead right. of that, you're right. Instead of that, we're gonna do the moments that are scariest. And mine is when the monster goes underwater. Oh, that's a oh, great point. That's I'm with you. That's mine. That's the scariest moment. So scary, Garrett. Oh, that's that's tough to beat because that that was really creepy. I'm gonna say the scariest moment was when they were in the woods and they saw the the old guy there and his wife had passed away and you knew he was about to scream and just the intensity of that moment, knowing the monster was coming, that that freaked me out pretty good. I need to correct you real quick. You said his wife had passed away. You should have said his wife was brutally murdered by an alien. Well, yeah, you know, she would she had some stab wounds or teeth marks or something. Yeah, her that intestines were coming painful. out, but no big deal. Well, there's that. All right, what about think? Um, my think is actually when that guy yells, because um, I was thinking about my own life and I was thinking about what would I would do in a post-apocalyptic world where aliens had supersonic hearing and they could hear you from 25 miles away um, would i be able to have the strength to do what john did or would i 
give in like this old guy and yell so that my life would be taken. Yeah, he just gave up. Yeah, yeah. Sean? Um, my thing for the movie is just the relationship between uh, the father and the daughter mm-hmm. and how he's trying to work through uh, pain and difficulty and trauma and trying to figure out how to be a proper leader and a proper father and a protector. And she can't figure it out because she's young. And that's, that's what happens in a relationship with your parents. You don't understand the things they have to do because you're not supposed to understand everything they're supposed to do. So I just thought about that a lot the entire movie. Hmm. Garrett? Uh, for me, I think it came down to uh, the boy. And uh, it just made me think of like how much his character changed and evolved throughout with he was like petrified to go into the woods and into the waterfall and didn't want to scream. He didn't fully understand it, but the, the way that he gained that new confidence and, and Alex, you, you worded it really well that, that he got from his father. I think that was something that really made me think. Mm. And the cry for the movie and a shocker here. I'm going to guess we have the same one. I'm pretty sure we have the same cry, all three of us. And it's when John Krasinski sacrifices himself after an incredible message to his daughter that he loves her he'll always love her and then he lets a monster eat him yeah after a the, there is no sound at all and he leaves out he belts out this yell to draw attention so they can get away in the truck mm-hmm. which has been prepared you can see in the beginning of the movie that the uh, uh what's that thing called the, the, the shifter the e-brake oh yeah the e-brake is up and it's new. You can see it's new leather. It's from a newer car, and the truck is old. So you can see in the beginning of the movie that they're setting you up for that later. By the way, I don't know if anybody else caught that. I've yeah. only seen it five times, so I finally caught it on like the fourth or fifth time. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Foreshadowing. I didn't realize Garrett, it was new, but I, but I did. Oh, dude! I first of all, now that I've become like a father in real life, I cry way too often, <laughs> and of course. In that scene, like I'm laying upstairs in my bed by myself, and like all of a sudden my pillow's just soaked next to me, and I <laughs> feel like a big wuss. So, yes, I absolutely cried. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. All right, our last quarter category, not our categories. <laughs> these are our categories. We're so good at talking. <laughs> by the heart, these are the moments that captivate us. Mine is just that I don't really love scary movies, but this one was just scary enough and intriguing enough that from the very first 10 seconds I was hooked. Yeah. Sean? Yeah, the uh I think the way that they use the sounds and then the, when they use silence, when they use like background noise, when they you can hear them walking on the sand, you can hear the leaves uh in the wind is great and then they completely cut off all sound. And the two specific scenes are the ones where Emily Blunt gives birth in the bathtub when the fireworks go off. And then another one when Krasinski yells before he sacrifices, or as he's sacrificing himself. Those two hooked me, and I wanted to go watch it. I watched this three times in the theaters. Nice. I watched it once with you, once with Garrett, and one other time, I think, with my brother. Cool. Garrett? Uh, this is going to sound really silly, uh, but honestly, the thing that hooked me was like, dude, I need to learn sign language. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. If I got to be real quiet, I'm screwed because <laughs> I talk a lot. And I have no clue. Like, my wife actually low-keys no sign language. I should probably learn from her. That's great. Garrett, off the top of your head, what's your favorite movie? All time? All time. It's probably Inception. I love Inception. Well, that's a little bit of better movie than I wish you would have said. But this was <laughs> A Quiet Place. 
Garrett Price, our guest, we are so happy to have you. Sean and I love you, man. Um, can't wait for you to come back on the pod. Um, remember, guys, that your strength does not come from yourself. Uh, strength that comes from yourself is futile, and the strength that you get from the Lord is one that remains forever. Join us on our next episodes as we watch Grudge Match, Swiss Family Robinson, and Terminator Salvation. Terminator Salvation. <laughs> See you guys. See you, Garrett. Later, Garrett.